listening to Training Data from Cosmic Works, which is a part of the Inkytel podcast series, which can be found on SoundCloud. Back in 2017, The Economist wrote an article entitled, The World's Most Valuable Resource is No Longer Oil, but Data. As the argument goes, companies and governments alike will increasingly rely on machine learning models trained with robust and consistently updated data sets to make critical decisions. Thus, the ability to collect, curate, analyze, and update data will be the foundation of any organization. This puts data, whatever those data are, on equal, if not greater, footing than historic commodities like oil. Conversely, a recent Forbes article published in March of 19 entitled, Here's Why Data is Not the New Oil, discusses why this is not a completely appropriate analogy. Regardless of one's position, and by the way, I think we could do a whole podcast just on that topic, we can all generally agree that data set collection and curation is really important. In the remote sensing domain, particularly with electro-optical imagery, collection capacity is limited relative to techniques utilized in the advertising industry. This poses a simple but critical question for anyone in the geospatial analytics market. How can we optimize all the data currently collected by satellites or unmanned aerial systems for machine learning models? Or, more specifically, can we use machine learning techniques to enhance the resolution of imagery to, in theory, increase the utility of that data for applications like object detection? In short, the implications for effective image enhancement are big for the geospatial industry. Today we're talking about super resolution and its impact or lack thereof on machine learning models. Hi all, welcome to Training Data, a podcast series brought to you by InQtel Cosmic Works. As an aside, we've gotten a lot of feedback recently asking if it was pronounced cosmic or cosmic Q. Uh, the answer is it's cosmic, but honestly we'll respond to anything that's close. Uh, as you may know, my name is Ryan, I'll be the host for this episode. And today I have two of Cosmic's best and brightest on the mic with me. Say hello, guys. Hi, I'm Adam Van Etten, Research Director for Cosmic. Hi, I'm Jake Schirmeyer, Cosmic's Geospatial Data Engineer. All right, guys. So first things first. Before we start talking about performance thresholds or image re resolution requirements, what is image super resolution? Super resolution is a computer vision technique for accurately enhancing images beyond their natural native resolution. Uh, so currently, probably the most common application would be something like um, movies, right? So you have an old movie from the 70s and you want to see it in 4K, well, people go back and they try and enhance that so it doesn't look completely fuzzy. Um, the difference with things those people do and what we do is those are really more looking just at does it look pretty, whereas for our purposes, we really care about the, the science behind it, and if we get something um, really uh, quantitative out of that. So how does that work exactly? Uh, yeah, it requires a multi-step process. Um, so kind of at, at a high level, um, typically there's multiple image pairs. You'll have a, a low-resolution image, and you'll have a high-resolution image, and you'll have a pair, uh, basically the exact same image in high and low-res form. Um, and with that, we'll train a model to learn the relationships between these pairs. Uh, the model can then be used to transform previously unseen low-res images into the, the new high-res images. 
So in our study, we used two different methods, uh, VDSR, which is very deep super resolution, which was a neural network and a standard baseline in the computer vision community. Uh, it requires GPU uh, to run, as do most neural nets, and can be bought uh, presently from MATLAB. Uh, we also developed our own in-house architecture called Random Forest Super Resolution. It would have been state-of-the-art about four to five years ago, and uh, it runs on CPUs and could theoretically be run on an analyst laptop. So I'm curious, why run the two models? If one's closer to the state-of-the-art than the other, uh, why go to the extra effort? Um, on, on the surface, uh, VDSR definitely is the stronger, stronger method of the two simply because it's been proven to have, have stronger scores in the literature uh, when performing super resolution. Uh, however, uh, a technique like random forest uh, could be just as effective uh, for enhancing object detection performance, and the training time is much lower, and the uh, requirements for your infrastructure are going to be much more cost effective. Uh, so that, that's why we chose to implement a, a simpler method like RFSR. Yeah, and I would suspect for something like that, having both a lightweight compute option uh, that maybe trades uh, some performance uh, for speed would probably serve a lot of applications uh, relative to something that's more computationally intensive, right? Yeah, correct. So clearly super resolution uh, could be really impactful in the geospatial analytics market, but how do we begin to assess that statement better? You know, as you guys know, at Cosmic, we're always trying to quantify algorithmic performance in a clear and well-structured manner in order to help inform startups, large commercial companies, academia, and the government. What are things that we are looking to solve or address here with this research? Yeah, ultimately we had a bunch of questions that really lacked any specifics or details in the open literature. Um, for example, we really wanted to know uh, the following when thinking about super resolution. Specifically, when using super resolution as a pre-processing step, how much value does it add in terms of object detection performance? Um, across what ranges of resolution is super resolution effective for enhancing object detection performance? And specifically, can uh, moderate resolution data be enhanced, and what would be the utility of that? So say you have a, an older satellite that's perhaps in that four to five meter mid-range resolution. Uh, can we apply a super resolution technique on top of that to enhance its value and detect uh, finer objects. Another question we had was, can we create even finer imagery than the best commercially available satellite imagery, and does that improve object detection performance? Uh, so we did just that, and we created a 15 centimeter super enhanced imagery. And we'll talk a little bit about what that buys you in terms of object detection performance. Um, a few Further questions were, what is an ideal or minimum viable resolution for detection of certain objects? Uh, so in this study, we investigated um, boats, two classes of aircraft, and two classes of uh, ground-based vehicles, so buses and trucks and, and cars. And our final question was, can a less computationally expensive super-resolution algorithm work just as well versus the modern super-res techniques? And that's kind of what I, we scratched at previously with the RFSR versus BDSR question. Yeah. And I'm curious if you think, uh, maybe one other question is, is uh, would these techniques be relevant to David Caruso and CSI Miami? Uh, I, I would hope so, um, but perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> All right, moving on. We'll, we'll address that later. Yeah. All right, uh, 
So we are assessing super resolution techniques in terms of how helpful or wasn't helpful in enhancing performance of object detections. Sort of two questions come to mind on this though. What did you use in terms of algorithms for object detection? And why incorporate that into this project? Super resolution itself uh, sounds really complicated. Why add this why add this additional step? Certainly there's a lot of interesting work in super resolution right now. Uh, those techniques in, in literature and academia typically measure themselves with something called PSNR, peak signal to noise ratio. Uh, and the details of that aren't really necessarily important here, but the gist is that the goal is to really accurately represent uh, the upsampled image. And usually there's kind of a secondary evaluation, which is does it look pretty? Um, that's not really what we're concerned with. We want to know if we apply such techniques, like super resolution to satellite imagery, does it actually bring utility? And one pretty obvious proxy for utility is, can you detect objects? And so that's kind of where we started. We said, we've, we know that detecting objects is still an, an unsolved problem. Uh, people might claim otherwise, but I don't think that's quite true. Um, it's still tricky. And if you super resolve an image, does it improve your performance? And so what we did was we started with some of the state-of-the-art algorithms. Um, there's a few that come to mind, which are YOLO, SSD, Faster RCNN. If you pull a bunch of people, a lot of those people have one of those three as their favorites. Um, we wrapped those together into a framework that we called SimmerDown, um, satellite imagery, multi-scale rapid detection with window networks. Uh, and, and then we could study um, with satellite imagery, all these different rapid object detection techniques. So in order to, to do this work, you guys needed a big data set. You know, as you guys know, through our SpaceNet effort, you know, we've open sourced both high resolution satellite imagery with labels as well as algorithms, but nothing really specifically tuned uh, for object detection. What data did you guys use and, and how did you curate it? Yeah, we really wanted to focus on smaller objects with this work uh, versus you know, the buildings and roads contained in SpaceNet. Um, so we needed a data set that had objects like cars or, or different types of vehicles. So um, for this task, we, we ultimately decided to work with the XView data set. Um, XView has approximately 56 locations and 1,400 square kilometers of Digital Globe Worldview 3 pan sharpened red, green, blue imagery. Uh, the native resolution of this data is 30 centimeters, um, and from this we ultimately uh, simulated coarser resolutions. So we simulated data at resolutions of 30 centimeters, 60 centimeters, 1.2 meters, 2.4 meters, and 4.8 meters. And these became our target resolutions for our super resolution algorithms. So we, we fed coarser imagery to the super resolution methods, and then trained models to enhance to these target resolutions. And um, from this, we, we also created the 15 centimeter imagery by applying a model that we trained to enhance imagery from 60 centimeters to 30 centimeters, and we applied that model to the 30 centimeter imagery to create 15. Uh, additionally, for the XView data set, it has 1 million annotated object instances across 60 classes. And in this setting, we decided just to work with uh, vehicles, planes, and boats. In those features, vehicles, planes, and boats, were there a sufficient amount of labels, or did you have to do some additional curation work uh, on top of that? Yeah, we ended up 
uh, winnowing down uh, the data set quite a bit. Um, so ostensibly, there are 60 object classes in XView, uh, but it's highly imbalanced, meaning there are some classes like Cement Mixer uh, that are a couple hundred uh, or even a couple dozen objects, um, whereas something like Building has hundreds of thousands. Uh, and so we ended up trying to do, started with kind of all the classes, realized that this just was a bit messy. Um, and things like buildings, right, it's uh, bounding box labels. And as we, if you followed our previous blogs, you probably heard us talk about the need for precise building footprint labels. So something like um, square squares and rectangles around buildings, isn't that appropriate? So we tossed that out. Um, something like uh, a cement mixer with a very small number of classes, we tossed that out. And we, we also ended up lumping a lot of categories together because instead of uh, five categories with 100 each that are very similar looking, we just had 500 in one category, for example. Uh, another thing we wanted to do was to try and ensure that different classes had approximately the same size. Uh, so there's a huge variance in things like building size, whereas with a car, there's a very small variance. Uh, it's usually around three meters uh, in extent or so. And that makes it a lot easier to evaluate how performance degrees with resolution. So that was part of the reason for lumping things together into very similar sized classes. A quick follow-up question on this, and I apologize, but I, I should remember it having looked at the data set. Um, is there a specific uh, label for a Subaru WRX? Uh, there is not. Uh, but uh, anytime you see tracks uh, in the dirt, it's a good chance to WRX. As an aside, I'm all in if there's a WRX Finder competition in the future. Just saying. Okay, well, before we get to uh, the most exciting part, uh, essentially the results uh, from this work, we're going to take a quick break uh, to talk about some of the upcoming events in the geospatial community. Hey, all. They say money never sleeps, but neither does Geo. Cosmic's going to be on the road for the next couple of weeks. It'd be great to see you out. So first, we're going to be at AnaconaCon, which is in, uh, can be in beautiful downtown Austin, Texas, uh, the first week of April. Uh, our director of research, Adam, will be presenting. A few weeks later, we'll be at Phosphor North America in San Diego. And yours truly and Nick Weir, who's a data scientist on our team, will be presenting both results from the most recent SpaceNet as well as some of our other applied computer vision work. And last but not least, hometown conference, not leaving out DC, we'll be presenting at the ASEA Homeland Security Conference on April 23rd. Hope to see you there. All right, back to the show. We are back talking with Adam and Jake about their super resolution work. Okay, so the, the suspense is killing me, and it's the part we're all waiting for. Uh, let's get into the results. So we kind of had two different, fairly powerful takeaways from the study. I'll start with one result, which is in some ways secondary to what we've been talking about, but is actually still very powerful, which is the degradation of performance over resolution. So instead of just looking at native resolution, 30 centimeter, we looked at performance from 30 centimeter all the way down to 4.8 meters. And the reason for this was to figure out how super resolution helps you or doesn't help you as a function of different resolutions. Uh, and, and to baseline this, of course, we do this with native resolution as well. And the end result is we get a curve showing 
how performance degrades as a function of resolution. The reason this is exciting, at least to us, is that that curve is a proxy again for utility of your sensor, your satellite uh, in space. And knowing how well it performs is something that, that could help you decide what do I actually need to put up there, right? We obviously all know building satellites is very, very expensive. And if you know, you know, I need 30% performance for finding cars. Something, something like this result uh, could tell you how big of a sensor do you need. In this case, you need at least, uh, or no, no worse than say one meter or 1.5 meters. So we can actually point to a number now. Uh, there's of course error bars. We put a lot of work into figuring out what the error bars are there. But that I think is pretty powerful to know quantitatively uh, how performance degrades with a different sensor suite um, instead of just launching in space and figuring out later at the cost of many, many millions of dollars. Yeah, and um, just to follow up on that, in terms of the, the super resolution front, really what our whole study was scratching at, um, our primary findings were that super resolution uh, is a relatively inexpensive enhancement uh, that can improve object detection performance, particularly for certain classes with distinctive features. Uh, however, there's quite a few caveats to that statement, um, so let me clarify. Um, let's say super resolution, the, the method as in and of itself, um, performance declines as magnification level increases. So if we wanted to enhance images two times versus eight times, it's going to be much easier to enhance an image two times versus the eight. Um, performance declines as the ground sample distance or the resolution of your imagery increases. Uh, so algorithms are ultimately unable to recover finer details as the imagery becomes coarser. So when you apply these, these algorithms to 30 centimeter imagery, they work quite well. When you apply them to 4.8 meter imagery, uh, they're much less effective at, at um, enhancing the, the imagery and producing something tractable. We also did the test of the 15 centimeter super resolved imagery and we really found that to be perhaps some of the most effective uh, method uh, for enhancing fine details and recovering things like lettering or, or fine green patterns. Uh, the 15 centimeter super res actually ultimately increased uh, your mean average precision by 16 to 20 percent. So this is a fairly significant increase uh, and uh, it was certainly more effective for certain classes like um, small aircraft and, and buses and trucks that have uh, really fine green features that become enhanced as a result of this process. Uh, I also wanted to say that uh, super resolution really should be quantified in terms of the ground sample distance gained, not an enhancement level. So working with satellite imagery, you should ultimately state that I'm enhancing this image by 30 centimeters versus I'm enhancing this image two times uh, as a 2x enhancement with 4.8 meter imagery would be uh, a much larger change versus just a, a few centimeter change in, in, in the finer resolution area. I'd also recommend checking out our, our blog if, if you want more details and a closer look at, at, at some of our results. Kind of a follow-up question for both of you guys. Do you think there'd be utility in exploring a similar study but with a different analytic application? So moving from object detection back to perhaps foundational map features, something that we've looked a lot uh, both through SpaceNet as well as just internally here at Cosmic, or do you think the, the results would kind of bear the same, uh, the same output? We actually did some of those tests already, uh, looking at uh, the most recent SpaceNet Atlanta data set to see if we could 
enhance some of the coarser imagery and the really far off Nader look angles to match the original native imagery on the most on Nader angles and found that uh, it really had minimal effect, actually no effect on, on performance. So um, it may just not work as well uh, for these foundational mapping features li like buildings just because they're simply too large. So based on these findings, what would you guys either like to investigate yourselves uh, through our work here at Cosmic or that you would hope to see taken up within the open source and research communities? I think one idea is simply just to expand the study. Uh, certainly, XView is a very large data set. Um, we did encounter um, some, some trickiness in getting it to work. And there are other data sets out there which are very well labeled, such as the CowC data set. Uh, this is cars overhead with context. Uh, that's at 15 centimeter native resolution. So that could be interesting to see if we can super resolve that, say to seven and a half, uh, see how that turns out. Uh, that's obviously just very um, iterative on this process. Uh, but I think one thing that we found from this data set and from SpaceNet in general is data quality really matters. And so trying this again with a data set that, that has very high fidelity labels could be very interesting. Um, what you mentioned earlier, Ryan, about trying it for segmentation purposes, meaning foundational mapping, is still something worth trying in the future as well uh, for future space-like competitions. Because as Jake mentioned, uh, some of the techniques like RFSR, the random forest model that runs on a CPU or just a laptop, um, it's a very light lift. So trying that, there's very little downside to at least seeing if it's effective. And Jake, what, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, training an end-to-end -end algorithm that would uh, optimize the super resolution uh, to uh, enhance what a computer vision algorithm would find the most valuable for object detection. So it might enhance certain features that a human might not value as much, and that could really uh, increase our performance ultimately. I, I think that, that would be an interesting application. And as Adam said, I think just digging a little bit further uh, and trying this and experimenting with different data sets uh, different object detection frameworks and different super resolution methods would make this research much more robust. It seems like the goal of uh, building out uh, research around this topic is that at some point, given at least the results that we're talking about here today, this is at some point a natural pre-processing step for at least certain applications and certain data types, which I think as we start to see more machine learning models not only be adopted, but deployed at enterprise scale across organizations, that, that is a pretty big implication. And as a result, the, the computational requirements start to matter a lot more. Yeah, um, super resolution, once you have the algorithms trained, it's incredibly fast to process images. So um, you could process a 500 by 500 pixel image in uh, well under a second. So I think it's about 0.2 seconds per image. So uh, it it's really something that could be uh, deployed very quickly. Uh, we've also found these algorithms, the SuperRes ones, are, are quite generalizable. So once you have an algorithm trained using uh, a variety of satellite imagery, you can, you should generally be able to apply that to other images uh, and do it quite accurately and effectively. Excellent. It'll be really interesting to see how well these work at high resolution. So I mentioned 15 centimeter. Um, with the CAUSI data, but even higher will be interesting. And part of that is because, as we showed in our results, you get a bigger boost for higher resolution data. And 
the reason is is because these features you're pulling out are just CRISPR. And so if you're just trying to build something that's very generic, like, say, a boat detector, you say boat, no boat, you don't get as much of a, a, of a benefit from something like SuperRes as if you're trying to differentiate, say, between uh, something like a go-fast boat or a fishing trawler, like more fine-grained classes. So that'll be interesting to see, um, again, if we get kind of more precise data sets, how well it, it performs. And we should also note that there's a danger here, right? Because you're also inferring uh, kind of crisper edges from something that, that's blurry, and you, there's the chance you get it wrong. And uh, so that there is certainly a chance where you would you guess, you know what, this is, um, I'll give an example. Uh, a very blurry number, you might be able to crisp it up, but you might say it's an 8 where it's really a 0. So this can be very powerful, but there's obviously uh, some downsides if you, if you just assume it's correct blindly. So you guys already mentioned that we've posted a lot of uh, results from this study on our blog, the, the downlink. Jake, also, we, we put some work up on GitHub. you mind talking about what, what's up there? Sure. Um, so we adapted the very deep super resolution framework to work exclusively with geospatial data. So that's available for download um, and that can be trained up. There's a nice GitHub readme so you can follow along and deploy it yourself. Uh, the RFSR, I'd say, is even easier to use. Uh, you could install that on your, your parents' gateway in their basement and uh, run a Jupyter notebook and uh, it, it should work pretty well. Uh, quick follow-up. Are gateways still in production? I think my parents were uh, one of their biggest customers, so they, they might be. All right, guys. Well, this was great. Uh, I really appreciate you guys taking time out uh, to talk about your work. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to today's show. You can find more information and links to different sites and data sets and presentations about the content discussed today at cosmicworks.org, and that's cosmic with a Q, spacenet.ai, and our blog, The Downlink, on Medium, which is with a Q. You're seeing a trend here. We like the letter Q. Thank you to Kristen Zender and Carrie Sassine from IQT's marketing and communications team. Music was provided by DC Zone Redline Addiction. Talk again soon. Take care.